Today's episode of the Ringer Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. Other sites have gone back to the same old tactic of showing you a lower price and then charging huge fees at checkout. But at SeatGeek, the price you see is always the price you pay. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You know exactly how much you're paying, where you're sitting, and whether or not you're getting a good deal, all right from your phone. So drop your old site and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Welcome once again to the Unnamed Ringer Wrestling Podcast. We will have a name soon. We will have our own feed eventually. And uh, we will have the great LaToya Ferguson on as my co-host this week. But up first, we have a very special interview. Who's next? Yeah, that's right. It's Bill Goldberg, the Ringer interview. The first uh, former wrestler guest of this podcast history. It's a great honor for me to welcome in one of my all-time favorites, Bill Goldberg. Bill, welcome to the show. Why, thank you greatly. It is an honor for me to be here. Um, we're coming up on, it's, I can't believe this. I was doing the, do, like, doing the research last night. We're coming up on 20 years since Goldberg, since the, the phenomenon exploded in WCW. Um, does it seem like it's been that long for you? Pardon me, I'm cleaning the vomit up off of my floor after you told me <laughs> that it's been 20 years. Um, but you know, it does and it doesn't, uh, part of me feels like it was just yesterday, but another part of me feels like it was 120 years ago. So, um, you know, it's, uh, the, 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 the good stuff <clears throat> makes it feel as though it was just yesterday. The bad stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're here for, uh, for we're may, I guess we're here for a special announcement, which is that, um, uh, 2K Sports has hooked us up because you're going to be the special pre-order bonus for the new edition of WWE, the video game, WWE 2K17. Um, that's a that's a pretty, I can imagine that's a pretty crazy, crazy honor for you, especially when, you know, the people that have come before, people like the Ultimate Warrior and Sting and, and, uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. How, how did you find out the news? You know, we've, we've, we've spoken about it for a couple of years. Um, to to reiterate what you said, man, it is. It's a huge honor for myself to follow in the footsteps of such uh, such you know big time wrestlers slash celebrity uh, good people. At the end of the day, um, I have a lot to live up to, but you know I'm kind of Goldberg, so I think I'll I got a I got a pretty good shot at living up to what they did. <laughs> the goal obviously is to smash records. Uh, the goal is to get this game out there and provide something to the fans that they haven't seen in quite a long period of time, and here I am. So um, whether it's, um, you know, two different arenas uh, that the new downloadable character will be uh, wrestling in, whether it's Nitro or Halloween Havoc, two different music versions, there'll be a couple more surprises in there as far as the Goldberg character is concerned, but... It, it, it is, man. It's a it's a humongous honor for me to be involved. If you you know these games, they go back. They have all the characters. I mean, the ones in the past years have had so many characters throughout wrestling history. But when you sit down the first time and pick up the controller, who's the first? Who's the first one or two wrestlers that you want that you want Goldberg to square off against? Oh man, I'm 
I've got a lot of feuds with a lot of lot of guys from back in the day. But uh, I think it might be kind of cool to step in there with one of the current guys. Obviously, uh, through social media, there's been comparisons between myself and Roman Reigns and the fact that I played football at the University of Georgia and he played at Georgia Tech. And, you know, I'd like to show people once and for all, for all who uh, who the better tackler is. But, um, you know, whether it be a guy like Triple H or whether it be, uh, you know, like I say, somebody, you know, currently or whether it be Brock, um, hey, at the end of the day, I'm an equal opportunity employer, so I don't care who it is. <laughs> Uh, for nostalgic for nostalgic purposes, um, you know it might be Hogan, um, but you just never know. Everybody's a candidate. Well, what have you have you watched? Have you watched Roman Reigns? Do you watch the current product? Because you know that's a that's a comparison that I've heard a lot too, and uh, and, and I think and I think it's a sort of interesting one. You know, I, I, I I'll be honest with you, man. I don't. I, I haven't watched the product in a very long period of time. Um, my son's a huge baseball fan, and uh, between two teams right now, that's a lot of what we watch on television. And, um, and, and you know, through the emergence of social media, uh, whether it be Twitter or whether it be Instagram, I mean, I obviously see the comments every day, and I don't, I can't tell you how many thousands of the comparisons I get, whether it's the Roman Reigns or whether it's the Ryback thing. Um, let's just be honest. I mean, I, I'm honored to be compared to anybody who'd, who'd uh, be a top guy right now. And um, I, I think there are some similarities, but I think there are many more differences than similarities. Um, I just think that it might be the new version of a, of a Goldberg-esque character to some extent. But, uh, you know, we do have a history of... Uh, being on the football field together. Yeah, well, you I mean you talked about you know being compared to current guys. I, I you know that the that the, the you know, internet's going to run wild with speculation that this is we saw this happen with Sting where he got he he was on WWE 2K and then uh, you know not too long thereafter he was he was actually on the active roster. Do you think there's any what what are the odds that we that we see Goldberg in a WWE ring sometime? Oh, who knows, man. Firstly, you know, Sting and I's circumstances were much different. Sting had never been here prior. Um, I've already been there. Uh, I've done my, I did my time there for, for a short period of time. You know, had some ups and had some downs. And, you know, it was a, it was a different, if it, it was a really cool experience, though it, it was a little different. Um, does, does my inclusion in WWE 2K17 mean that the next step is to get back in the ring? Uh, that's not my intention by any stretch of the imagination. I, uh, I initially, uh, you know, just want to put a smile on my son's face and show him what his daddy used to do, you know, ripping guys' heads off. <laughs> um, if it leads to some, if it leads to something like that, then, you know, I, uh, I don't know, man. I, uh, I, I, you never say never. You really don't. And, uh, at the end of the day, it's water under the bridge. You know, things have happened in the past. Um, would I love to be a wonderful father and provide more entertainment for my son? Hey, why not? But that's that's not why I did this. Um, if it if it happens, it happens. Um, it would be a huge honor of mine. But uh, I, I uh, my involvement in this game, um, my intention, I have no more intention beyond my involvement in this game by any stretch of imagination. If it came up, then it'd be a conversation that I'd have to address. But for right now. 
you're going to see two versions of Goldberg on WWE 2K17, and I think that's the only version you're going to see for a while. Uh, but just for the record, yeah, you're physically you're 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 right where you were when you were you when you were in your prime, or what? What would you say? Oh hell no! Nobody's nobody at forty nine years old is where they were in their physical prime when they were thirty. Uh, that's physically impossible. Um, but at you know two two sixty five, maybe two seventy. You know I'm twenty five pounds down from what I used to be. Instead of waking up in the morning and eating a half pound of bacon and twenty eggs, you know I. Uh, you know, I get up in the morning to have a couple eggs and some uh, pop tarts and, and uh, Captain Crunch with my little boy and uh, watch some SpongeBob. So things are completely different nowadays. But um, I did go you know, eleven three-minute rounds in, at my kickboxing gym last last Thursday night. So or Thursday afternoon. So at the end of the day, I'm probably in better cardio shape than I've ever been in my entire life. But. Uh, I'm not 295 anymore by any stretch. Uh, so speaking of cardio shape, I mean, there were, I went back and watched a lot of your uh, a lot of my favorite old Goldberg matches last night. Um, it got me, it got my heart pumping. I mean, what, like I, I, my favorites, you know, I got to think the Bret Hart match, the great DDP match. I mean, just seeing you come out uh, when you debuted with WWE and interrupting The Rock. I mean, there there are so many great moments. What what to you are the are, are your favorite matches or moments from your uh, in ring career? Uh, you know, Dallas Page and I had arguably my best match. Um, Dallas is one of the reasons why I, I, I prospered in the business. Um, he was one of the first guys that I met associated with the business. And, you know, he's one of those guys that will give 120% and go to the end of the earth to make sure that everybody is entertained at the top level. He brought out things in me that I never knew existed, you know, that I could do in a wrestling ring. Um, obviously... You know, The Rock was was an awesome uh, was an awesome situation uh, opportunity for me. My first match at WWE, I was able to come in and do my thing. Um, hey, Brock and I are friends. And I love uh, you know I'd love nothing more than to headbutt him again. Um, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a competitor, man, and um, I liked those matches. I think the most the most fun I ever had in the ring was wrestling Scott Steiner. Um, you know, because Scotty and I just wanted the fans to, to have fun and to make make them believe that what we were doing was completely real. And uh, therefore, we didn't mind potatoing the hell out of each other from time to time. We had an understanding. Um, and so, you know, those are the, those are the things I kind of miss. Yeah, man, I'm gonna. That makes me want to go back and watch the Steiner matches right now. The the uh, you're also. Oh, I mean, you have to, you have to. Those were awesome. They were just awesome. Yeah, I mean, the, the, but speaking of potatoing and kind of like working, working tight, working stiff, whatever. I mean, like your your style was a, was a little bit ahead of its time. You know, I mean, we there there's so much MMA influence in in wrestling these days, um, and and uh, I think you know. When you debuted, there a lot of fans didn't know quite what you were doing when you were like putting guys in the corner and kneeing them in the ribs. Well, here's the deal: the the deal was is that I was a professional football player since birth. That's that's what I was programmed to do. <coughs> Pardon me. When I got that taken away from me, I had to reinvent myself. In reinventing myself, I like to be the best at everything that I do. I don't care whether it's brushing my teeth, 
or whether it's you know coming up with new moves or developing developing a character. <laughs> I was a huge fan of the UFC of mixed martial arts back in its embryonic state. You know when guys when the Gary Goodriches and the and the you know the Don Fries and the Tank Abbots were were getting paid a hundred bucks to, to smash people's face for entertainment. And I owned the largest MMA uh, gym in, in the country back in the late '90s. And they used to train, you know, whether it was Couture or Fry or Kevin Randall, and they used to train at my place. And I had a, I had a, I had a love affair with the martial arts, and I really, it, it very much interested me. And I thought the combination of a guy that weighed 290, uh, they could do a backflip and, and knew these submission moves. Um, I thought it would succeed, and I knew that the that the UFC, that mixed martial arts in general, was going to prosper because I was extremely selfish and cocky, and I thought, hey, if I like it, everyone's going to like it. Well, it came to fruition, and I, I I chose a character that was not a far departure from myself at all. I I do believe that I'm a I'm a performer, not an entertainer. Um, I'm an athlete, and I go out there and. I amp myself up, you know, uh, exponentially. So what you see is not a departure from Goldberg. It's just a magnification of Goldberg. So um, that's it. So when you when you were when you when all those guys were training at your gym, or even in the years since then, um, the do the MMA fighters come up to you and they're like, like, holy crap, it's Goldberg? Are they like excited? Do, do they do they know you as a famous wrestler and get really excited? I'm never going to answer that question and say, "Yeah, man." They come up to me and go, "Hey, yeah, there's the famous Goldberg." Um, I, I was I was at uh, Jared Allen's uh, Night Ops golf tournament, uh, benefiting the military, and Ryan Bader was there uh, two days ago. And uh, Bader came up, asked to pick me up, asked me to pick him up. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a completely different relationship. All those guys want to be us. All those all the fighters want to want to be in professional wrestling. I don't care what they say. Um, there's a huge parallel in it, and they very much appreciate those guys. And conversely, we very much appreciate what they do. Um, those are the real tough guys. Um, all we do is kind of act like we're doing it sometimes. But um, whether it's being over at Dynamite in Japan in the, in the late '90s or being at the UFC events. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of what they do, and I thought it would translate well in the wrestling world. I got lucky, and less is more. And go out there and headbutt a couple of people and you know, put your shoulder through their chest and call it a night. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. All the fighters that I know only tell me off microphone that I'm, how big of wrestling fans they are. So, um, one more. Oh, shoot. Every, every one of them is a fan. Don't, do not let any of them lie to you. Every single one of them. Henzo. Or whether it, it may, it, you know, Crow or Krokop, any or or any one of those guys, they've always been. Look at Rampage. Now Rampage thinks he's the junkyard dog, for God's sake. <laughs> Oh man, uh, that, that's 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 great for my for my wrestling fan ears to hear. Um, one more question about your about your ring time about your time as a wrestler. Uh, in all of your matches. Who were the who was the one guy that you got up for the for the jackhammer and just thought you know maybe I, maybe I've just gone too far tonight? No, uh, and I'm not I'm not trying to be 
you know, I'm not trying to be that guy that, you know, thought he was cocky enough that he could lift anybody, but I could lift anybody. Um, it was my, it was, it was programmed in my mind that there was absolutely no way that I could not get anybody up in that jacket. Now, truth be told, <laughs> that that's a reality. Um, but, you know, I practiced it and perfected it on a guy down at the power plant who you know, weighed a good 350. I figured that uh, if I could do it to him at will with one with one arm, that I could do it with anybody. But you know, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Anytime you get Big Show or uh, you know Paul Paul White up at over 500 pounds, and you're and you're balancing him, you're kind of in awe of what you're able to do. Now, the first time I did it to him, you know, I, I mean, it's the fear of the unknown. But there was just absolutely no way that I was going to fail, and it's just the mental mental state that you have well uh i hope that the i hope that the wrestling fans that buy 2k17 will uh will will, will find something resembling that sort of zen state um, when they try to pick people up and try to try to match your undefeated streak um i'll let you go but i'd be remiss if i didn't ask i just moved to los angeles last week uh to work for the ringer you're a california guy and you spent a little bit of time with the la rams earlier in your career how do you feel about how do you feel about them coming back to los angeles thing is now I can tell my son I played for the L.A. Rams and he won't look at me like I have a horn grown out of the front of my head. <laughs> um, I, 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 was here, I was here, you know, 100 years ago with him in 89. And uh, I, you know what? I, I'm very happy for him. Um, very, very happy for him. I think the, the town's going to, I mean, they've already shown the excitement. Um, I think it's going to be a new era for him. I mean, obviously the move is a money-related thing. At the end of the day, fans don't take kindly too kindly to that. But at the other end of the spectrum, there are fans that are waiting with open arms, you know, for for the Rams to come back. And now it's finally happened. Yeah. Well, we gotta we, we gotta we gotta do something to get you down there on the sidelines because uh, because you know anything anytime I could see Goldberg and the Rams together, I would be that w- that would really make my day. And I think a lot of fans would agree. Um, but thank you so much for talking to me, man. I'll be looking forward to giving Two K Seventeen a shot, and I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there's there's fans all over the place that are looking forward to playing uh, two different versions of Bill Goldberg on 2K17. You got it, brother. I appreciate the time very much. Give Bill my best. I'm a big fan of his, and uh, tell him that uh, he's, he's he would be remiss if he went his entire life without being the recipient of one of my spears. Oh man, I will go tell him that right now. He'd probably be very excited to hear it. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> you, you got it. And now back in person in the Ringer studio, I'm joined by my other guest, my my true guest, my co-host Aww. for the week, the one, the only Latoya Ferguson of the AV Club, uh, the AV Club's uh, premier wrestling writer. Much better than that, Roman Reigns, Mark Kyle Fowl. Uh, Absolutely true. Uh, just kidding, Kyle. We all love you. Um, it's been <laughs> a big, big week, if not in the wrestling ring, uh, in the wrestling world. Uh, in the in the, uh, the 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 breaking news Twitter arena of pro wrestling, <laughs> um, you know we're going to talk a lot about this brand split that they've announced. Um, what off right off the top when you heard brand split, Latoya? What what, what happened? What, what what did you feel? There were hearts in my eyes. I'm a pro brand split girl, actually. Good. That's a great tease for later on. We'll we'll definitely come back to this. Um, 
I, I will be honest, there are some hearts in my eyes as well. Um, anyway, there's, but a lot of other stuff happened this week. Let's let's talk about some uh, outside of the ring or at least non WWE WWE things. The biggest the biggest thing that happened, at least on my Twitter timeline this week, was the uh, was was the gif of the beginning of the Ricochet Will Osprey match. Oh, you mean the death of wrestling? <laughs> oh my gosh, we're coming strong <laughs> this morning. Um, yeah, the death of wrestling. What do you? What did you think? You've seen these guys wrestle before. Yeah, I've seen them wrestle. Uh, I saw the GIF, and I didn't really think much of it because I'm, uh, it's basically their uh, big gymnastic spot they do at the beginning when they go one on one. They did it in their Evolve match. Yeah, this is their thing. Yeah, that's their yeah. thing. <laughs> that's how they start their matches uh, against each other, and then everyone blew up, and it was either the best thing that's ever happened in wrestling or the worst thing that's ever happened in wrestling. Um. You know, I knew that it was it I knew that it got serious when Jim Ross had to chime in with a with a fairly positive reaction to it. Yeah. Because you know, JR is like the bastion of the old school of like matches having meaning and whatever. And and to be fair to these guys, uh they just did this little like pop spot at the beginning of the match and then they had a regular wrestling match yeah. that followed it. Um so, you know, JR JR wasn't like BSing when he was talking about it, but uh but yeah, I mean, it's a cool thing, you know. It's like it's a weird, it's a weird thing when that. I mean, it's it's listen. One of the most impressive physical things I've seen ever, Olympics included. This was a really cool spot to open the match. Um, but it is sort of weird when we're because we're like in this very like we're in like a, the cave of like wrestling nerd Twitter, and this is the sort of stuff that doesn't always align. You know, with that sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So anyway, you're you're saying the death of wrestling. <laughs> Uh, well, I thought it was fantastic just in general because, because like you were saying, that's just insane athleticism. I did actually see the match and not just gifts, and uh, I loved the match. It was, it was probably, I think it was their best match actually, and I was really into it. And uh, I made like my family members watch it, and they're like, that was an amazing match. Yeah. But we're going to make the, 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 the Ringer staff will be watching this match later on today. So it's, 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 it is, it, it, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because you can kind of, like, the old timers can kind of crap on it and the, and even the nerds like me can be just a little bit over the reaction online about five seconds after the reaction starts. <laughs> um, I guess that's how I'm an old timer. I'm not you and people like you and me. We don't complain about like you know like old fashioned work rate. We complain about like just memes getting out of hand too quickly. Exactly. Because we're we're just too old for that crap. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean people that it's a it's a great kind of entry point because everybody knows wrestling's mm-hmm. fake, right? You show them a John Cena match and like that like a non fan is just gonna like groan and leave the room. You show them this match. Well, no, it's fake, but they'll wonder, like, how can they possibly do all the things they're doing? Exactly. Yeah, it's really, it's super cool. And there have been a lot of ricocheted WWE rumors. Have there been, have there been Osprey to WWE rumors? Certainly there have been. If, he, if he's, I mean, look, if you just watch him in this match. I, I don't know how there can't be after this, because I think there might have been some buzz, and then he signed with New Japan. And, yeah, yeah I know there was uh, Will Osprey to I'm, TNA rumors. Oh, I was saying to you before this match, he looks like 20 pounds heavier than the last time I saw him. Like, yeah. he's, he's putting on some muscle, man. Which, that's always a good sign, actually. Yeah, and it's, it's, or just a sign. <laughs> um, you know, I, just, to, just to preview what's coming up, we, when we were talking about the brand split, we, uh, you know, our flashback of the week is the March 25th, 2002 episode of Raw <clears throat> uh, that, had, that featured the, the brand split. Talking about people putting on muscle. Man, <laughs> there, was, there was an abundance of uh, supplement use going on in 2002 in WWE. <laughs> 
Uh, I hope that's not that that I know. Obviously, we're at a different era now, so you know, good all the best to the guys who are doing it naturally these days. But um, but yeah, man, I love Ricochet. I met Ricochet one time. I've told this story on podcast before, but I, the first time I went to uh, I went to go see Lucha, mm-hmm. and he wasn't on the card, and I was really sad because Aww. I wanted to see him live and whatever. And I was talking to some of the producers whenever after the show and just sort of getting a lot. I was there to watch people leave, basically. I wanted the full experience. And um, I turn around and Ricochet is just, it's empty. The temple is empty. Ricochet is just sitting on the front row row staring at the steel cage that's around the ring. And I just was like, what? He's here? And I walked over and I was just like, dude, hi, I'm David. Like, what are you doing here? And he was just like, man, I just love wrestling. Uh, it's just like this is the greatest, weird, the weirdest, like most reaffirming thing I could possibly that could possibly happen. He's um, clearly a mark for himself, obviously. Well, he's a mark. <laughs> he's a mark for the sport. That's more important. <laughs> um, anyway, speaking of uh, speaking of the indie wrestling ranks or the out the extra WWE wrestling ranks, Cody Rhodes tweeted his list of uh, of future of yeah I guess dream opponents mm-hmm. um, what was the date that he had on it it was uh, it, it was it, like August July, ju- uh, I think it's like August 19th yeah there was yeah. definitely a 19 in there um, it was a good list I uh, you know I, it was sort of depressing to like have it be that that final that this is really gonna happen and this wasn't just a gimmick I know everything's a gimmick and that saves us you know as wrestling fans sometimes you imagine that like CM Punk's not really leaving <laughs> Daniel Bryan's not really retiring oh CM Punk's definitely coming back for the main event at Wrestlemania yeah. I don't know what you're talking about Cody so. Rhodes this is Cody Rhodes this is all part of a giant like NWO style work um, anyway but but his list was. I mean, like, I want to see all of those matches. It's funny because I fantasy book. Tell me what you think. I fantasy book crappy WWE wrestlers going into the, going onto the indies. <laughs> like there was just like who? I mean, I remember like two or three years ago, I said that they should just give the Matadors to to like Dragon Gate or Revolve or whatever. You know, just like like let them or like let them have some fun on in a different federation where people would could you know admire different parts of their skill set. Would that really help them? I mean, it would. It would certainly, <laughs> That's I mean, a different discussion, yes, right sure. there. But no, I mean, now, now we're now they're they, they've they've helped themselves and become the shining stars. Um, we can talk about that when we talk about Raw. <laughs> well, we don't need to talk about that at all. But yes, we can. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, Toya. The um, but yeah. So uh, here, I'm pulling up the picture of Co- that Cody Rhodes tweeted right now. So um, by the way. As the art director of TheRinger.com, everybody check out TheRinger.com. As you're listening to this, who knows, that website might exist. Um, I can say that this is some real top-notch Photoshop work that Cody Rhodes pulled off here. Um, Adam Cole? What are, your, what are your feelings about Adam Cole? I love Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole is really great. I, I, I'm counting down the, like, the minutes till he signs for WWE. I mean, I, I'm enjoying the fact that he's now in the Bullet Club because... That's, he's everywhere. He's just Mr. Indies right now, yeah. which is weird because he's not, he's not one of these dudes that just popped up and everybody said, you're just doing the Indies to get a WWE contract. But he did kind of feel like Mr. Mm-hmm. WWE when he showed up, when it, he really started making exactly. waves. Exactly. Like, it wasn't like a matter of if, it was like when, basically. Yeah, he's not the biggest dude. Mm-hmm. 
He looks. He sort of looks like like if Bo Dallas were a little bit smaller and on P ninety X. Like yeah. if you see him in if you mm-hmm. see him in real life. Yeah, he's got that personality. Uh, I took uh, a friend who like doesn't really watch wrestling anymore and hadn't been to PWG shows to so, like his first one like a few months ago. And one of his like notes were like uh, Adam Cole and Zack Saber Jr. The two of them like why are they here? Why aren't they in WWE right now? Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's true. I mean, Adam Cole is really, really great. I I accident I like co- co- coincidentally. Um, Waited in line with him for a bathroom a couple of weeks, or at WrestleMania weekend, uh, <laughs> and he was a very, very nice guy. Uh, Dalton Castle, I mean, are there any of these, like, here, I'll, let, let, yeah. me, let me show you this list. If there's anybody on here that, that jumps out to you, that you're, who are you most excited about seeing? I, uh, let's see. The uh, Young uh, Bucks Dalton are on Castle there. one could be really fun. Adam Cole, obviously. Chris Hero, I, I love Chris Hero. Me too. Yeah. I mean, Chris Hero is one, one of the great guys in the business, and, I, and I've loved... Man, I mean, his his indie work has been really, really strong over the past year. Shibata, that would be an insane match. Shibata, that'd be uh, Cody's insane. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I love that. Like Pat Buck and Roderick Strong made the list too. I mean, it's just like this isn't just like the newest shining mm-hmm. stars. No WWE yeah, exactly. wrestling intended. This is just like. Like, these are all guys I would love to see him wrestle. The point I was going to make earlier was I always booked crappy WWE talent on the <laughs> indie scene because I just would like to see what would happen if, like, you know, if uh, the social outcast just got shipped to Ring of Honor for a year. You know, I'm just interested to you see what You mean where Heath happen. Slater would reign supreme and show everyone how great he is? Well, are, are you're being kind of serious. I'm yeah. not, and I'm, I don't think that's impossible. I think that it's, you know, especially like, you know, Ring of Honor, even at their best, is mm-hmm. it's it's a lot like the old ECW where mm-hmm. they kind of just have to like book with the talent they're given and like do the best. Mm-hmm. And they have they have a really good booking committee, a good creative t- team. And and uh, yeah, like there is, to- it's totally feasible that, Heath Slater could be like a like bigger than Matt Hardy was for them a couple years ago. I feel, you know? Yeah, I feel like Heath Slater, if he if he were to go to the Indies, I don't think that would ever happen. Honestly, I think like he's pre- pretty much set for life in WWE. Oh no, no, I, I, I think like, so too. Yeah, I feel like he would could like tear it up on the indie scene. Honestly, but the the point I keep <laughs> I keep failing to make is that I always book crappy wrestlers going to the Indies. It's so weird that Cody Rhodes is going now. You know, even when he announced that he was leaving, I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, maybe he'll just do New Japan for a minute and then. Mm-hmm. And then WWE will re-sign him for a billion dollars, you know, or something like <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe he's gonna. Go, I thought he might just go like act in a movie or like mm-hmm. open a yoga studio or something. Like I don't know what Cody Rhodes is into. I would love to know what Cody Rhodes is into. Well, the times have changed. I guess now it's just it's more viable. Like it's viable to just go hang around in the Indies or in Japan and like make a great living too. And like and I, people will actually see it yeah. and it'll go viral. I wonder, and I know, like, tech, like from a from a WWE corporate standpoint, this would be next to impossible. But like, it would be viable. He li- he he lives in Florida, right? Like, wouldn't it be viable for him just to become Rhino at NXT for like a year? I like, think couldn't he just I, like take some indie booking shows and then just like also work at NXT? I think. Do they live in Florida? I think they might live in Texas. Oh, maybe so. Yeah, when I, think, I when I did a very perfunctory yeah. Google last week live during the show, I got a floor. I got Florida, but like I think Brandy be- Eden like tweeted something about going back home to Texas. Oh, though, so could well, be that could be a metaphorical going back home <laughs> to Texas. Uh, but yeah, you're right. So. Um, Anyway, I mean, it's just it's like it's, it's a, there is a lot of viability out there. It's a, a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, the, I mean, what, what we got a name check before we get out before we get into the real stuff. This Jeremy Gordon piece in the New York Times: Everything is wrestling, or alternatively, is everything wrestling? <laughs> um, 
I tweeted it out. If you haven't read it, go check it out. It's it's a it's not like the the freshest, the hottest take in the history of takes. I remember when my book came out years two years ago. I might three years ago now. I was, plug that book. I was going, uh, yeah, the squared circle. Everybody, it's still as good, as relevant now as it was then. But I would go on the radio, all these like random radio shows, and say, kind of make the semi facetious point that wrestling, pro wrestling, was America's greatest art form. It's more important than jazz, and it me, and it says more about the country than jazz or whatever other art form you want. It, rock and roll, whatever you want to say, will ever, will ever do. Um, just because every, I mean, you look around, like our whole country is based on this like culture of artifice at, at least in the at least in the 21st century um and certainly we're seeing a lot of it transported out in the political sphere right now what do you what do you think yeah i, I agree to that extent i often say that it's like uh wrestling's the last true performance art so <clears throat> that, that's how how i said i don't know if i would say it's the the greatest art form possible but yeah and so i just think it's a good export mm-hmm. but I'll, but you do see these elements mm-hmm. he talks about pop music a lot mm-hmm. and all this stuff i mean like and of course uh, reality tv and oh sure i mean mm-hmm. reality tv has been exactly. very influenced by wrestling from the start and now it's i mean that's why i say when people ask me why wrestling's hip or popular or not or doesn't have the stigma it used to have anyway mm-hmm. yeah that's my first reaction is it's reality television i mean mm-hmm. it used to be that people would say you know that stuff's fake don't you when you would talk about wrestling which is and now nobody always can... a stupid question right it's all that's inherently stupid but even if you're stupid enough to ask it you, you can't <laughs> you can't ask that about wrestling and then go watch the real housewives right i mean everybody knows everything's fake now mm-hmm. And then you think think about that, like you know, is Fox News any less fake than the Real Housewives? Like, what? Like, it's all it's all a put on. And the pop, I me mean, he talks about uh, Chance the Rapper and Beyonce. I mean, I remember oh, yeah. when like Drake was the was like an unsigned r- or artist for like a year and a half, mm-hmm. and it was clear that you know, that, like that yeah. he was like like you know, there, there was a long term plan for him to sign. You know, like it was mm-hmm. this stuff goes on, and it's really it's on the one hand really awesome that wrestling can take some credit for it, and on the other hand. It's never uh, going to get the full credit it deserves, probably. Yeah, and it's also scary for our country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's scary for our world. The reality doesn't really exist. <laughs> um, I don't know. Tate, what do you That's think? That's depressing. Jeez. I think you're right. I think reality does not exist. Okay, Tate agrees. <laughs> reality, reality does not exist. We're this just going to really spend good. the rest of the podcast just being depressed as hell. <laughs> nope, we're not. We're going to be upbeat about this. Because, <laughs> because... Because? Because... <clears throat> That's a section break there because it's a new era in WWE, LaToya. I don't know if you've heard about this. Do you have, wait, you're, you're putting your head in your hands. <laughs> I, I hadn't heard. Thank you for alerting me to this new era. Um, Tell me more. We're going we're gonna to talk about the brand split in a minute, but first let's touch on Monday Night Raw. Um, yeah, the, the new era was in full effect, and the one thing that I really want to focus on was uh, the return of John Cena. And his uh, immediate feud with none other than AJ Styles. What what what, what was your reaction? What, what it, when this when this is going down? First of all, John Cena comes out, gives a little "America the Beautiful" speech. Yes, he does. And then <laughs> AJ Styles comes out, plays a little baby face, and then mm-hmm. everything goes to hell. Okay. Give me give me give me your play by play. Well, let's see. I don't want to fast forward through the America speech because it was part of like <laughs> the, the one thing that still just like really pisses me off about John Cena. Like I'm not. Oh god, I'm gonna sound anti patriotic, but Cena's you know whole I'm the Marine everything. Yeah. It's always like rubbed me the wrong way because you know he never actually served and like when they lay it on super thick like that, it's like it. 
I understand, you know, his respect yeah. for the military, but, you know. And they respect him, too. Mm-hmm. I, I, But I, I agree. I, you it know, just makes me uncomfortable more. Memorial Day is, is, is an all-time weird holiday for me just because I, I, and I know this makes me a terrible American, but I don't, I'm, I'm not, I, it, I'm always caught a little bit off guard by the level of reverence for the troops on that day. Because for some, in my childhood, that was not, I feel like that didn't come up a whole lot. Yeah. Maybe it's just because we're in a time of war, like mm-hmm. whatever, but, um, and I've been working on this website all weekend, so like I was just in a dream state. Like I was like, like I, what, my brain was so frazzled. John Cena comes on the TV and he starts giving the speech, and I honestly thought, I was like, did we kill Bin Laden again? Like what happened? I believe we compromised him to a permanent end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we thank you. But I was, I was like trying to like Google to figure out what he was like, why he was giving the speech, and then it was like, oh, it's Memorial Day. This seems really over the top. You're doing this with Memorial Ellen Day. shorts on. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so go back. We, we failed at skipping over that part. Go. But, so what, what was your what was your take on that segment? Uh, well, then AJ Styles comes out. After mm-hmm. Cena, basically, he calls out the new era. Like, he goes from pro-America to being like, now, I'm the face that runs the place, so, hey, new era people, you're going to have to go through me, which I'm like, oh, God, Cena. But at the same time, I'm like, I kind of want to see those matches. Yeah. <laughs> I've long made the case in yeah. writing that, like, Cena, the Cena's most important role is he's the guy that, that makes the people you care about matter. They're yeah. young wrestlers that you care about matter. And certainly that is, like, now his gimmick, full full mm-hmm. on. Yeah. yeah, and I'm glad they just kind of accepted that uh, and so AJ Styles comes out and then basically chills because the pop that Green Bay gives the two of them being in the ring is amazing. And it's not let's go Cena, Cena sucks. It's AJ Styles, let's go Cena. And it goes on for over a minute. Yeah. It goes on for over a minute. It's hard it's always hard to do it's always hard to like really gauge those things just because you know, it feels like it went on for half an hour. But yeah, I mean yeah, it was it, it was, was it was loud. crazy. It was amazing and you could see like you could uh, read AJ Styles lips he's like this is awesome and then Cena's like saying yeah this is what they want to see and yeah it's nuts because well I you know we I always, I've been talking on this podcast and, and, and writing about how it's sort of crazy that they're that they're let that they've been letting these like kind of indie wrestlers keep their names right yeah it used to be that, like it was CM Punk and nobody else. Well, I guess John Cena because he mm-hmm. just got to keep he has a good name and they let him keep it but that was before like the rules yeah. were made and Samoa Joe told us uh, over the back of the Cheap Heat podcast, I think, that he was just like, or maybe he said it somewhere else, he, that he was just like, uh, you know, they, we decided like we could either stop start making money on merch today or we could make it in two months and people get used to my new name. So that was a good reason. But I, but I did wonder on Monday night watching Raw if part of the decision to let AJ Styles keep his name was that like it fit in the chant so well. You know, like it, like as soon as it was happening, I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." It's like it's the exact. It fits in just where CM Punk used to fit. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like not only is he his character going to work there, but uh, but yeah, it, it fits in the cadence of the chant too. Yeah, it just he just fits in so well, and it's it's the it's a joke everyone makes now. Just AJ Styles being in WWE, it's so surreal. You literally have uh, the face that runs the place and Mr. TNA in the same ring, and you know they're they're, they're going to wrestle. It's going to happen. Yeah, this was like one of those like terribly like fantasy book things like ten years ago. You know. Like, what would happen if TNA invaded WWE? Cena versus AJ Styles. Yeah, the answer, if TNA had invaded WWE, it would have been shit. That's the answer. This is <laughs> exactly. somehow, like, give WWE some credit, because that felt like a real important moment. And, yeah. it, and it might not have, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it, was, it would have been impossible to predict the level to which AJ Styles was going to be over right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, 
especially last week when it felt like we were just headed for an AJ versus the club, like, silly sidebar feud, mm-hmm. or, like, people were talking about AJ just kind of getting jobbed out of the title picture when Rollins came back. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's always going to be people overreacting on yes. the internet. I'm not trying to paint everybody with that brush. But, man, like... This AJ versus Cena was made so incredible by the existence of AJ versus Roman Reigns mm-hmm. and by everything AJ, you know, by AJ Jericho before that. And this just feels like, like, so obvious and yet so important. Like, it's just, it, it's a, it, it feels really, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's I'm the, very that's the feel of a it. new era right there. Instead of just saying new era a bunch of times, like, a moment like that is what shows the new era, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how. I mean, what is the what, what is the over under on new moves Cena is going to bust out at uh, at TLC? I mean, sorry, at uh, at Money in the Bank. I just hope he keeps going for the Springboard Stunner and never gets all of it. Yeah, Man, that, that's that's really the secret meta storyline going on for Cena right now is just like his never ending quest to actually hit the Springboard Stunner. Um, yeah, I mean, like I wonder his like kind of like and and Cena is. By the way, I'm, I'm a fan of Cena's ring work. He tries really hard, and he actually tells good stories, and he does a lot of stuff nobody else can do. Um, but I am going to shit on his Hurricane Rana a little bit. But I think that... <laughs> That's going to hurt someone. I got to tell you, though, himself. Cena's Hurricane Rana is not terrible if you have somebody like AJ Styles bumping for it. So I'm very excited to see how that works out. We're talking about that Ricochet-Osprey match. Like, they have what they do down to a science, but, like... If they, that little, the little, I mean, what's, uh, there, is there a technical term for the super aerial version of the Hurricane Rana that's really just like you rub the insides of your feet on somebody's face and then they do a <laughs> flip? Like it's, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. It's like the very lucha version of the Hurricane mm-hmm. Rana. It's like the, the Frankensteiner is at one end of the spectrum and the thing that, and this thing that like you do in, in like Can't comic matches. Can't even call matches. it like a snap situation because there's nothing really snapping. Yeah, whatever that is on the other end, other end of the spectrum. I mean, that's if you if they some if you try to do that to a big lug, uh, the you know WWE who would pick pick your wrestler, mm-hmm. it would look terrible. I'm very excited to see John Cena's move set uh, being being sold by AJ Styles because he has made everybody he's gotten in the ring with look like a million bucks so far in WWE. Um, let's see. I mean, before we before we move on to the brand split. Uh, the ending of the show, I guess we should touch on it. Was I'm really excited about this Money in the Bank match. Everybody that's in it is good. I mean, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to watch it at the pay per view. Mm-hmm. But it was weird. They kind of just like gave us the go home moment. It felt like on Monday night. Well, I mean, at the end of Raw and also eliminated a spot in the match. Oh it was, yeah. It was, and, like, SmackDown. They were still advertising there will be seven people in it. And Raw, they just stopped. Like six people. The well, are, did they? Because yeah. it, it, to me, it sounded like they were just saying like these are the people who have qualified. They were even showing like like the blank seventh person spot on SmackDown as well, and then just like they haven't like th- that completely got removed. Well, maybe, maybe maybe you know maybe it's the surprise seventh person. And maybe they're just, and they're was, trying to make us forget about it for a minute. Maybe Miz was going to be in it until he had to go film the Marine. The Marine Eight. <laughs> the. Uh, the the Marine franchise is one of my favorite things about in professional wrestling or out. Um, <laughs> just in life. Yeah, it's just, it's really great. Um, I think that they should totally just film a movie. Film, like, WWE got the rights to... Oh, wait. Did they ever make um, Leprechaun 5 or whatever after they bought the rights to it? Because they fired think, Hornswoggle last month. I think they month. did. I think it came out. Really? I think it did. Oh, man. I that's... vaguely remember a trailer. Maybe I just imagined it in my mind. <laughs> I've been having some crazy lucid dreams since I moved to L.A., and I just can't separate real from fake anymore, which is mm-hmm. great. Everything is wrestling now. It's okay. It doesn't really matter what's real. But Speaking of what's real, did you see that Dolph Ziggler movie? 
No, is it great? I it's actually, I really literally enjoy the, the worst WWE movie I've ever seen. I've oh, seen a lot really? of crappy WWE movies. Um, yeah. That's, <laughs> Sorry, Dolph. That's, that's too bad. I liked Dolph Ziggler. Was he bad or was it just a bad Everything movie? was bad. Yeah. And, like, uh, the female lead was Catherine Isabel, who was, like, recently enough on Hannibal and was great. And my brother, who had not seen that Hannibal, like, asked me, can she act? Because it, everyone was so bad in that, herself included. It's amazing. It's it's amazing how, yeah. It, it's, some of their, a lot of the WWE movies are really good. They can be surprisingly I to, I, better yeah. than they have any right it, But it, maybe it takes it takes some bad ones like this one to make you really appreciate all the other ones. I'm going to watch it. Well, I'll, ta- I, I'll let you know what I think. Um, it has the worst car chase possible. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm sure there could be a worse car chase. I mean, there were real cars, at least. They didn't show, like, any toy cars, as far as I, I remember. Yeah. So it could have been worse, I guess. Yeah, just, like, like with little strings pulling them? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there was... Wait, what, what were you... Oh, yeah, the, speaking of Dolph Ziggler, he had a... He, he failed at having a traditional wrestling match on Monday night. Although, I kind of liked Dolph Ziggler with the headgear. I think it's a good look for I him. I kind of... Like I love the look, honestly, and I kind of I was saying to you, I kind of wish we would just have uh, heel-ish Dolph Ziggler against the new era, just like kicking everyone in the dick. Yeah, and that'd be pretty fun. I would be totally into that. This was the most fun I've had watching Dolph Ziggler in a while. <laughs> it raises the it certainly raises the question of how long they can stretch out yeah. this feud, considering like Baron, yeah, Baron kicked him in the balls, but like it was a no DQ match. Like, get yeah. over it. Yeah, I Why mean, for, for some people, that's really hard to get over, you know? I mean, but I, I will say, for, for a feud, that, for like a mid-card or sub-mid-card feud that like, for, for whatever kind of feud this is, I have no problem with this feud lasting six months. It's not my favorite thing, but rather than, rather than these two guys both go do other feuds that are going to be at the same level or lower, like, let it keep going. Let them keep doing all these weird stipulations, and at the end of the day... We won't really forget who got more wins over the other guy or not. I mean, maybe if they did how they used uh, that uh, brief period when they were just doing like constant like gimmick hardcore matches with like props. Yeah, I like I want to see a pumpkin on one of their heads. <laughs> okay. um, all right, oh, I'm, I'm sure I know a lot of people at WWE listen to this, so it's, it's, that's certainly going to happen. <laughs> oh no! Um, if if you had to guess, if I told you with 100 percent certainty, I came from the future. Oh dear! And one of those two dudes is going to be WWE champion within three months. Who do you think it is? Baron Corbin. Really? Yeah. All right. That's a bold That's a bold proclamation. Obviously, he's got a big future, but Dolph is... Well, you're just giving me a sad face now. There's nothing I, I can do to work with that. There's nothing I could do other than just give a really sad face. Any thoughts on it's the money the in the, the build-up to money in the bank? We have more, I'll have more weeks to talk about this, but... Hmm. Anything else for money in the bank? Not really. I think... They're doing well with like the the six guys who are in it, yeah. and it, I'm enjoying seeing them. Yeah, and then there's one other thing that happened that you really wanted to talk about. You told me about this before we came on the air. Titus O'Neil is getting a push. It seems like a lot of people thought that John Cena was gonna was gonna fall into the it was gonna be Rusev's opponent I'm upon so his return. Ha- I'm happy just because I, I want to protect Rusev. <laughs> Well, I think that a feud with Titus O'Neil is certainly in the realm of protection. I don't imagine him losing, but who knows? I don't imagine him having a good match. Not a big Titus O'Neil fan. Really not, especially as a singles wrestler. Especially when you're doing this make Darren Young great again thing, which I guess they've dropped already. This would have been the perfect time for Darren Young to get a match of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that Titus versus... I think Titus versus Rusev will look cool for like a minute at the pay-per-view 
Is this is this a pay per view match? You think is this? What it we're might setting be up? a kickoff match, which just kind of sucks for the title. But listen, people have been complaining. People complain to me all the time that they don't know between the IC title and the US title which like which has more prestige and that's why that's the argument mm-hmm. for making them one belt right Listen, I don't like that argument at all. We know which one has more prestige. <laughs> yeah, it's the good one. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the, the it's one not, that's not from WCW. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. And it's it's the one that's not constantly being defended on the pre-show mm-hmm. in like a match where one of the two guys might not be employed in a year. It's mm-hmm. a it's a different it's a totally different tier. But I the, I don't mind this mm-hmm. match. Besides just like skill in general, I. It just feels weird that he's even in this, not even just because of the suspension thing, but because it just happened because he went to make the save for Kalisto instead of, you know, Sin Cara doing that. And then he was like, you know, he keeps demanding that Russo fight him, even though he's done nothing to warrant himself getting a match yeah. for the title. And then he got like super, I'm an American and we Patriotic. fight. Yeah. And that's Didn't, like. It wasn't, I feel like Mark Henry did this a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Like for lack of a better, more effective mm-hmm. face turn, they just made him really patriotic. Briefly. Which at least he was like. Olympics. So yeah. Oh, sure. That, sure. That but makes sense more listen, than. Listen, I'm a very stupid wrestling fan. If you're going to go, <laughs> this applies to John Cena too. I'm sorry, John. If you're going to be giving a pro American speech, you better be wearing red, white, and blue t shirt. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. Or, or briefs, one mm-hmm. of the two. That's the only way that I otherwise, I feel like you're doing it ironically and mm-hmm. I don't compute. So. Yeah. It's, so when Tyus was get, like getting really aggressive, like, America, we fight, blah, 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 I'm like, and everyone was shouting USA, it just made me really uncomfortable. And it's like, oh, wow, we're just going to get super xenophobic, aren't we? Yeah. There's really no reason Rusev should get, like, just in storyline at all, no reason he should give Tyus a, like, a match. I will say it's the only thing, I think, I mean, one of the only things keeping Rusev heel. I guess, I guess he's got he's got his foreignness, and, he, and he's got his, he's got Lana, um, but... It's it's funny the impenetrable wall of foreignness though because if that was an American dude even if he was an American dude playing a Russian gimmick right he would have had like a run as like a top babyface by now the thing it, about the foreignness too is that uh, what was it on the pre-show like for the last peer review like his broken English accent it's like he's completely dropped it at this point yeah yeah it's just he's just a dude yeah he likes going to hockey games with his fiance like who, yeah who doesn't <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway, um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I agree with you about Darren Young. I actually just would love to see Darren Young. I mean, I, I like on like I'm sure I can go online to some superstars matches and watch right now. Mm-hmm. But I'd be really interested to see how Darren Young performs. You know, in a ten or twelve minute match on a pay per view. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that question, and I'm I'm much more interested in finding out the answer to that than seeing Rusev Titus O'Neil. Yeah. But anyway, because I, as good of a wrestler as Rusev is, I don't know if he can like, I don't know if he's ever been in, in a opportunity to like carry someone, you know? Yeah. Like either someone equal or like a better wrestler than him, he, and he's a very good wrestler. But I've never seen him have to like elevate someone. He his 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 ring his ring skill definitely goes up a mm-hmm. bunch of notches when he's in there with something great. Mm-hmm. But he I, I he think has he, very good he's, psychology. But he's capable of yeah. carrying. He's capable of carrying a match. And if he's not, I guess we'll find out very soon. Yeah. All right. Jumping to uh, the biggest news of the week, circling back around and flashing back to 2002. Let's talk brand split. Let's do it. It's the biggest. I mean, this is huge. This is a huge deal. It's something that I've been pushing for for a long time. Me too. Um, if, for, if for no other reason than just because, like, it makes... Well, I mean, okay, the biggest argument against it, I'm just going to say it up front. The biggest argument, the, the problem with the first brand split was that Vince McMahon, and I'm gonna, and who knows if it was him, but I'm just assuming it was him because I've heard it was... <laughs> <laughs> could not abide by the rules of his own brand split. Mm-hmm. The, I'm sorry, not Vince McMahon, the on-screen character. Vince McMahon, the 
the, 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 the COO or whatever, or the CEO of W, the chairman of WWE. When you're going through hard times, it's really hard. You know, when ratings are down, it's really hard to not call John Cena and say, "Get on this pay per view," even though you're not on the SmackDown roster. You know, you need to like anything you can do to goose ratings, you can do. Now, maybe they have a little bit more latitude now that it's all network. I mean, ninety eight percent network. Mm. Um, people are already paying for it, but like, man, I just if they if they stick to the rules, whatever arbitrary rules they lay down, yeah. I'm excited. How do you feel? I greatly feel uh, that way, and. When you know when they started doing the the Raw Super Shows with SmackDown, like that was the beginning of the end, and then we got the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, which I think was like really the death nail because there's always the argument that when you have like the two world titles, obviously the World Heavyweight Championships like is the quote unquote jobber title, but at the same time, a lot of the guys that like we love would never have gotten a chance at the title if not for that World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. And like people, in fact, Daniel Bryan, we wouldn't have like the Yes Movement if not for that World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people complain about the branch, but like, well, I never even watched SmackDown. It's like, well, that's your own fault, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of your well, fault even, for I mean, like past, missing out on the, things. The past several months, SmackDown has been has been an incredible show too. Yeah. I mean, like it, we without an official brand split, they're they're obviously kind of trying out different mm. things now. You know, I'm gonna write a column at some point that'll, that I'm sure you will too, that gives them all the advice we can give about how to make this brand split work, right? But there are a lot of little things. But just from a, I don't know, from like a from like a purely conceptual level, you're right. It gives people a chance to shine that wouldn't normally have that opportunity. You could say that you could do that on the main roster with or without a brand split. You could whatever, but like really, just seeing somebody—I mean, back when they had two different titles, just like you were saying—to see somebody carrying around the big gold belt, you just could you you kind of the WWE creative team would just get it would get an idea of whether or not it would work to yeah. put the main belt on them. Dolph Ziggler's two reigns; those are the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guys like Cody and Wade, who just left. They could have been holding that belt, but they should have been holding that belt. Exactly, yeah. and I'm, I'm not doing this to like to shit on Roman Reigns, but as long as Roman Reigns right now, especially, is the guy, you're not going to get anyone else like yeah. who can. It's get, hard to like, get somebody yeah. over. I mean, AJ Styles may be the exception to the rule, but um, yeah, I mean, for you, Cody and Wade are really interesting people to bring up, and you can also look at um, sort of everybody. You were saying this to me off, I think, before we started taping the the, the sort of pre generation that's getting kind of metaphorically jobbed out to this new era. Mm -hmm. People like, uh, the ones like who Kofi are Kingston yeah. or, uh, I mean, like... The, well, it would have been Kofi if not for New Day. But yeah, the, like the ones who were like waiting for their time to shine. Yeah. And now we've already like kind of skipped over them. Yeah. I mean, the, the toughest spot to be, and I think Cody and Wade are probably like, are like the top two people I would have put in this category. It almost seems like the toughest spot to be in in WWE is to be a viable champion for some point in the in like indeterminate future, right? Yeah. Like if something happened and like half of the WWE roster got arrested and thrown in jail, you could have made Wade Barrett a legit champion, like heel contender for the champion in about five minutes, right? I mean, yeah. he's already been there when he first started out, but like he's got he's got all the skills necessary. If he's healthy, he can be that guy. Mm -hmm. Cody Rhodes, same thing. You know, you can maybe it takes ten minutes because you build in this like interesting backstory of like the Rhodes boy finally achieving his dream but like both of those guys could have been booked to the championship and I think the problem was that WWE knew it so they're like why do we why so why pull the trigger on that when we just have that in our back pocket for a time that we really need it in yeah. the future with with a brand split 
those guys, people like that, will have a chance to really shine, hopefully, mm-hmm. on uh, on the second show. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all, how I've always felt. And people are like, but no, there's not enough roster. We're always talking about how this is the biggest roster they've had in years. Yeah. There are so many people not even just getting on main event and superstars that you could be using, and you're not using them in a three-hour Raw? Yeah. Come on. And here's the thing. For, if we're talking about roster size, the roster, I mean, there's a lot of people on the roster. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people. Well, yeah, that's not even counting and the like, first and people. The, and the one complaint that I've had forever that I think everybody should, everybody should, Everybody should agree with me on this. <laughs> it's, okay to, me. it's okay to have a feud that doesn't make the pay-per-view card. Like, Dolph Ziggler doesn't need... Uh, Dolph Ziggler's matches... I mean, if Dolph Ziggler's in a six-month-long feud, he does it with Baron Corbin. These guys don't need to be on every pay-per-view. Maybe every other pay-per-view just, is fine. They don't have to have a match. They could just be, like, backstage, too. Like, just have, like, a backstage segment. Exactly. Or have their big blow-off, like, we hate each other so much we're going to hate each other with chairs match on an episode of SmackDown or Raw or whatever it's going to be, you know? Like, make those episodes feel bigger because because the world of WWE is too big to be contained by a Money in the Bank pay-per-view match or Mm -hmm. pay-per-view card. Sorry. Uh, the best thing about, about uh, one of my favorite things about launching The Ringer has been engaging in in-depth conversations with the copy chief about how we, how we work with when there's a match and a card that have the, same, <laughs> have the same name, like Money in the Bank or the Royal Rumble. And the funny, and, and just, I've showed him clips of WWE announcers wrestling with this, no pun intended, in real time on the air. <laughs> um, because they're basically, like Michael Cole is basically copy editing his speech in live mm-hmm. on television. He's like, the Money in the Bank match on the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which is not actually a pay-per-view on the WWE Network. You know, like, it's a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful world we live in right now. Um, but talking about roster size, uh, you and I watched the 2002, what is the March 25th, 2002 yeah. episode of Raw, where the first brand split took place. Vince McMahon had SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ric Flair had Raw. Ric Flair, by the way, it feels like he hasn't changed much over the past 15 years. This was a totally different era of Ric Flair. Yeah. He was... He looked great. He looked great. He was... I mean, because I remember at that point, people were already kind of dogging on him as a wrestler a little bit. But man, he could talk. He could... He could just... He, they, he just went up on... He was making draft picks on live television. Mm-hmm. And there was no... With not, Uncle Arn by his side. Yeah. There was none of this old... I mean, there was none of this fear that that kind of the kind of half serious fear we have whenever Ric Flair gets a mic now that he's just like when he had a mic last week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Very, very little risk of crying in 2002. (laughs) Um, And for the most part, staying on script, but not even script. We just knew he was going to do the right thing. There's he is. He exudes such confidence on the mic. Um, But anyway, yeah, he it was a really like the roster in two in on March in March 2002 fit in a room not much bigger than the one we're sitting in right now. There was yeah. just a lot of folding chairs, and uh, everybody got their own seat. It was... And I, I always love when all the wrestlers are in the same room. Yeah. I, I love seeing how they just interact in the background, you know? Yeah. So, and it's always... I mean, just from, a, just from like, a, on a meta level, it's great because only, like, half of the people in the room, if that, are acting at any given mm-hmm. time when the camera's on. It's like Perry Saturn may, may or may not be aware that he's being filmed <laughs> at this moment. Like, a nice touch I appreciated that was never going to be acknowledged was the fact that Trish Strash was sitting next to the Dudley Boys. Because yes. they're her friends. So why yeah. wouldn't she? Yeah. It's, it, there, there's, it's a lot of little, like, nice things like that. The... Uh, the so the draft ended up being as these things you know naturally go it ended up being a lot of sort of psychodrama between McMahon who was being 
uh, coached, for lack of a better term, by Kurt Angle through most of the show. And Kurt, then, and then Kurt Angle was the only reason like Vince made any good choices, apparently, based mm. on what we saw. <laughs> Except for picking Kurt Angle because he thought because Kurt convinced him that Ric Flair would not pick the NWO. By the way, the NWO no, never should have picked the NWO. <laughs> but you get three guys. But it's WWE NWO. Yeah, but still. Uh, X Pac was wrestling in shorts on this show. It was this was the most uh, the most undressed we've ever. Well, with the exception of <laughs> with I, the exception of sex tapes, this is the most undressed we've ever seen. X Pac. I, I haven't seen that sex tape. Uh, I haven't either, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners. Uh, I, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna stop right there. Although I will say, them picking NWO like kind of went against their own rules of the draft because there was like the Billy and Chuck one. It was because they were the champions, so they got a package deal. Sure. But the Dudleys, they got split up. Yeah. You could have just been like, I'm going to choose Kevin Nash, and the rest of them can go away. Yeah, it is weird that you can pick the NWO. Right? If not, if you, I mean, do you have to have a team name, or could it have just been like broad categories of wrestlers? <laughs> just like, I'm going to pick, you know, I'm, I'm going to pick like South American wrestlers, you like could, whatever. Like, if your team has uh, only a one-word name, you can be picked together. Oh, Dudley <laughs> Boys, yeah, that's okay. Um we also saw the uh, uh, like the Hardy Boys. I, this was there was a lot of parallels to right now. I feel like in this in this episode because it really did feel like a sort of new era. Uh, yeah, there were all these guys. I mean, all the guys and gals like the Hardy Boys with Lita, who was by the way the last draft pick. Very very interesting, very interesting storyline move there. But Edge Christian. That was youngish angle. Brock Lesnar, RVD at the sort of like cusp. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a whole lot of R- Rikishi, who is a great example of obviously not a young new guy, but a, but somebody being put in the position to succeed for yeah. the first time, really, as a singles wrestler. It there was a lot of it felt like very vital in a way yeah. that maybe it wouldn't have six months before that. That had, that felt a lot like right now, and especially knowing now, like uh, given the time, like. Soon, like this is like especially on the SmackDown side, it was beginnings of what would eventually become the SmackDown Six too. Like with all the traffic oh, yeah. they were having, I'm like, this makes me so happy. Yeah, it was re- it was really really great. Although, you watch you watch SmackDown, then the following episode of SmackDown, yeah, I was like, out I, and stopped watching yeah. after this episode. I didn't watch the SmackDown that week because like they said the changes wouldn't take effect till the week after. So I like I watched the SmackDown the next week and I'm like, okay, this is yeah. But it had up. SmackDown that other SmackDown had probably already been taped yeah. by some weird contrivance of mm-hmm. of the taping schedule. But so anyway, you watched the first brand split SmackDown, mm-hmm. and what was it, what what struck you the most? Uh, it was just it was fun. It was still the the worst part about all of this was a classic attitude era. It was all like two minute, three minute matches. Sure. Like matches I like some of them I really wanted to see. I'm like, ooh, uh, we're having Triple H and Chris Jericho. Wait, nope. Stephanie's in this match too. <laughs> it was it was oh that was a pretty fun That was like, a pretty great show. match. By the way, I want I wanted to I have to read this. I, I wanna get I want I wanna find somebody on the in the ringer staff that can do a convincing British accent to pull the segment off for me because <laughs> it's something I've been wanting to do for a while, but this is I'm I'm calling this brief interruption wrestling with Wikipedia. It's a section in which I just read to, like a, a number of sentences from Wikipedia that make me crack up just because of the phrasing. Mm-hmm. But one, trying to fig, trying to like hammer down the backstory between why the main event of this episode of Raw was Chris Jericho versus Triple H versus Stephanie McMahon in a triple threat match for the title. Um, which, by the way, spoiler alert, well, we'll get to it. I mean, it was all of like Stephanie's like worst qualities, but at the same time, it was a pretty fun match. Yeah, so this is, this is the, I was on Triple H's Wikipedia page, and this is, the, I'm going to just read directly from this. The McMahon-Helmsley faction was brought to an official on-screen conclusion. 
By the time he returned, Triple H's on-screen marriage to Stephanie McMahon was faltering, so Stephanie faked a pregnancy in order to get him back on her <laughs> side. When he learned that it was fake, he dumped her publicly on Raw when they were supposed to renew their wedding vows. Stephanie aligned with Jericho afterwards, but she was forced to leave after losing a triple threat match on Raw the night after WrestleMania when she was pinned by Triple H. The divorce, and thus the storyline, was finalized at Vengeance. Like, there's no better, I, there's nothing better than Wikipedia, like, abbreviating inane storylines. Um, and by the way, if you're gonna, if, if, you're, if you're, your, your marriage has to end, I think a, uh, a spine buster um, is the way to do it. I, <laughs> no, that's not true. I oh should God. not say that out loud. I was gonna make a really terrible joke. And I, yeah, I mean, it, just wrestling relationships. They should, ju- I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle that Triple H and Stephanie in real life have, have lasted this long. Because when you, because like those on-screen wrestling relationships, they just can't. Nothing. I mean, no, nothing is more fragile than those. Um, what did you? What, what was your take on the actual draft that they pulled out off in, in two thousand two? The Rock goes number one. Mm-hmm. What, what, my first reaction was the Rock is exactly like the Rock has not changed at all except for his hair and amount of muscles. Well, my thing about the Rock was that like now, uh, if you watch this episode of Raw and then like watch a recent Rock appearance where he cuts a promo. You can see why people are always making jokes like, "Is the Rock high when he's doing his promos now?" Because, like, he you know just repeats words a lot. He's like kind of stutters a bit. Like he repeats everything. He didn't repeat anything in this yeah. uh, raw promo. It's like it was just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it was just like very smooth, pandering to the crowd very smoothly. Like yeah, you, people try to say he hasn't changed, but like he has changed, and it's not quite for the better. Yeah, the number two. Well, I mean, you know, he doesn't do this every week anymore. Yeah, that was. A weird era of rock too, where he was like losing a lot of weight, losing a lot of hair, but yeah. still trying to keep it all together. Um, but I, he was wonderful. I mean, d- definitely the number one pick. I did. We should say you so are an Steve asshole. Austin. I did appreciate. Yeah, he got the "You are an asshole" chant going at Vince McMahon, which was which was uh, just wonderful. And uh, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, by the way, was exempt from this because of a contract clause, which was a hilarious little as, throw as in were there. Triple H, Jericho, and, and Stephanie because they were wrestling in the championship triple threat match at the end. The second pick was the Undertaker. Which mm-hmm. was a shocking pick because he was feuding with the guy who picked him, uh, mm-hmm. Ric Flair at the time. And Undertaker there, there was, was not nothing happy. I, uh, Undertaker people, and his like the first like the top five buttons of his shirt were unbuttoned. Yeah, and no one needs that. No, no, no one needs Roland to be their their theme song either. And that was the case that and night. They sh- they're showing like the clips of Undertaker with Roland, and they're also like interspersed with the music video for Roland. Yeah, it's like oh. That happened. There was a guy like cosplaying you, as Fred Durst in the front row in that raw. Um, <laughs> Tate, do you think we do you think we can get Limp Biscuits rolling to be the theme song of this show? Is that I hope so. Okay, good. <laughs> That's what uh, we need. The uh, the I want someone who's listening to this. Please make me a gif of the Undertaker's reaction to being picked. It wasn't just him throwing whatever he was holding against the wall, but it was the the wobbly camera at work. Like, it was like a handheld camera that zoomed in on him as he realized he was being picked was maybe the funniest three seconds of Raw I've ever seen. It was like an I'm getting too old for this shit reaction, and then he just <laughs> exploded. Yeah, he went off. Uh, the third pick was Kurt Angle, uh, I mean, the, the, for by, by Vincing Man. Uh, Flair picks the NWO. We've been over that. Then number five. Wow, Vince McMahon goes with Chris Benoit, who's just coming off of an injury mm-hmm. uh, because because Kurt Angle told him to. Yeah, and he that was well. I don't. I, Kurt Angle might have been wrong about that one too. In the big picture, Kane with the shocking, at least for me, surprising choice at number six. Although um, 
he was one of the big, the, the most over wrestlers in the business at that mm-hmm. point in time. Yeah. And he was wrestling in his semi see through shirt. The see through shirt, yeah. that was a big moment for see through shirts, I feel like. Yeah. This was also, this is probably the beginning of like Kane t- turning into like, he's going to be like a comedy guy, right? Like, from, like it's going to be like. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. But he did make, he made the big save for mm-hmm. The Rock and Hogan when they were getting beat yeah. down by the NWO later in the show. Like, this is mm-hmm. a big Kane mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, uh, but ho- I think like face Kane at that level meant like the transition was gonna be like we're gonna make him more you know family friendly essentially like we're gonna have some really bad things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hulk Hogan then goes to SmackDown. This is Hollywood Hulk Hogan. I'm not sure. I he guess keeps he- saying that even though he's like dumped the NWO, so. Technically, he's not Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I think they just hadn't made the official move to put him back in red and yellow tights yet. Uh, yeah, there. I mean, it was a, it was a really interesting. You guys watched the episode. He was red and yellow on that SmackDown after actually. Oh, like one yeah. episode later. And they were still calling him the Hollywood Hulk Hogan. That's really weird. Yeah. And was it, was it Hollywood Hulk show. Hogan or just Hollywood Hogan? Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Oh, that's very strange. Because there's, uh, I don't, I, I don't even know. Um, Ivory and Trish had a great match on the show, or a short match. But yeah, like, it was. I, I also it was a bit sloppy, but it was like. It was, it was good. It was fun. Yeah, but it was the first time, I and mean, we talk about the kind of the Divas Revolution and this great, and again, comparing it to today. That was like, mm-hmm. I mean, 2002 might have been the last time that you could just, that you would have a women's match in the middle of a show as just a regular mm-hmm. match, and people are into it, and it's not like some although, sort of throwaway tickle fight sort of thing. Although a puppy's chant did break out. Yeah, well, I think that that was sort of a necessary evil of the time. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at I mean, I, I've watched a lot of old stuff and actually read a lot of old, a lot of old Vince interviews for a piece I'm working on, and I think that there's there's something too as as just irritating as as the King was. The King did tone down. Okay, the King was our proxy in the announce booth, mm-hmm. right? Like he yelled puppies because that's what that's what like your average young male fan was mm-hmm. thinking. What your Fred Durst cosplayer was thinking. Exactly, but he also but saying puppies as weirdly demeaning as it was was also a way. It also steered everybody away from saying tits or like whatever more <laughs> offensive thing they could have been saying. Right? He made he made he sort of like made it all a little bit less lewd, even though it's a mm-hmm. lot. He made it more creepy and less lewd uh, and that I think served a very important role uh, at that time and I like I said earlier man we're at a peak uh, illicit supplement moment in WWE right here I love going back and watching the old like Hulkamania era where you just see where like you know Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's arms are like are like 36 inches around like he's just like so puffed up with water weight that it's just ridiculous, and everybody on the roster looks so silly. This I don't know what what ha- was happening in 2002. The Rock was skinnier than he had been, but there were a lot of people who had, uh, let's just say, who looked like they'd been spending a lot more time in the gym than they than they ended up looking later in their career. Jericho. <laughs> yeah, well, Jericho's a good one. I mean, there, I we think all know. There's Edge. nobody. That, nobody that's yeah. Nobody that's been mentioned so far is gets off gets off the hook. I think there were. Uh, yeah, I mean. It, this was it was it was a pretty imp- pretty impressive pretty impressive moment, um, but yeah, go back and watch this episode. Get it in mind um, because there's another big brand split coming up, and there's going to be a lot of a lot of points of comparison. What was the oh you know what you told me earlier was on that about the uh, about how this was the new era according to yeah, Michael Cole on as that well. SmackDown I watched Michael Cole just kept uh, talking about how it was a new era like he just kept hitting that new era. No one else on the show was saying it, but Michael Cole and his frosted tips were. Um, my Hulk Cole's Frosted Tips are my favorite WWE uh, per announcer of all time. Mm-hmm. The 
you know, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because on Monday night, Michael Cole accidentally called Raw SmackDown. He said, we'll be right back with this live episode of SmackDown <laughs> after this break or whatever. Oh, cool. I, and you got to wonder if maybe it's just not, maybe that's what happened. Everybody was thinking, oh, he's getting ready to call SmackDown. Or like, you know, we've been talking mm-hmm. about how SmackDown's changing. Maybe saying the new era again, his brain just short-circuited back to 2002. <laughs> I kind of wish, because that means his commentary would go back to that level, too, and we could all be happier. Because you think he was better in 2002. I mean, I think that I didn't have to deal with him talking about hashtags then. I wonder, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, this This brand split is going to be, there's a lot that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Brian Dipperstein, who listens to this podcast, might know as, as, as uh, Peter Rosenberg's agent, um... You know, I didn't get him in the divorce, but I do. I do live in the same city as, as Brian Dipperstein now, so I'm, I'm calling it shared custody. Have an affair? Oh, yeah. The uh, but he he was very upset about the brand split. He thinks that it's like the word. He just he just anything that like disrupts his like simple kayfabe world is a problem. Mm. And he thinks that it's frankly that like you know WWE's sort of headed in the right direction, and this is gonna. Uh, diminish raw and you know the kind of the the maybe diminish the most important things rather than uh kind of spread it out wider i think that listen i hope it brings back the sibling rivalry that the brand used to have i yeah i wrote about this before it's wwe was at its peak when they were feuding with wcw or they Mm -hmm. they hit they hit a huge peak when they were feuding with wcw and they've been trying to find competition ever since Mm -hmm. and it's never happened for a while it was raw versus smackdown um, last over the past year or two, it's become WWE versus NXT. I mean, yeah. really, they've been finding their they've been finding passion by by trying to match what NXT is able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if this works out as another like like you know like you said sibling rivalry, it could really be great. Um, but you know, there's there's some things that could possibly go wrong, and it's and and we'll it's a it's a matter of time. I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But. I just hope during the brand split, and I hope I kind of hope they do like you know a big special. I hope that at least one wrestler dresses up like Matt Hardy uh, in this episode. He was dressed like Xander Harris from Buffy, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's actually that's an ex- that's exactly right. I was trying to place it. He looks like. He looks like he's wearing like two parts of a regular outfit, but putting them together is really weird. But the, but yeah, it's that sort of '90s like you know can't hardly wait moment of movie of like movie and TV where like everybody was wearing these outfits that only really existed on television and in movies. Right? Uh, yeah, it was really, really perfect. And he Although was. I really love the Team Extreme jackets that they came out with. Those were really dope. I totally missed that part. They look great. Yeah, it was like because uh, of the black light, so they, they were white jackets. They uh, looked really good. I'm wow, like, it was like the 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 preface to the uh, or the or the precursor to the Jericho Light Up jacket, which I now <laughs> which I guess is gone now. Before we get out of the show, by the way. Props to to Seth Rollins for actually pulling off the same Jericho gimmick that Jericho yes. did, but he came back by just not talking for mm-hmm. and not doing anything for like fifteen minutes. I, I, that I love really that great. so much. And before we stop talking about jackets, I want to give you. Uh, I just want to <laughs> give some attention to the beautiful throwback Macho Man jacket that you rolled in, in today. Of course, thank uh, you. It's it's very nice, and a WCW Monday Night Jericho shirt, which is the living my best self right now, actually. I'm glad. I I I'm I'm living out of two suitcases right now and only managed to bring I think I brought two wrestling t-shirts and I've just been trying to save them for a really sp- I don't know what the specific time is. How do you live? Is. Um, what shirts are they? I I got a lot of advice on how to pack. It's one is a um, one is just the the fake retro uh Macho Man greatest of all time shirt that um, that homage made which is mm-hmm. just incredible. 
Um, and the other is an actual vintage Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt that's just like early. It's right before. I mean, it's the, probably the first shirt that was Stone Cold Steve Austin mm-hmm. or amongst them. It was before um, the Austin 316 shirts were everywhere. It's just a picture of him stunning somebody, I think. But then someone on the back has ironed on um, Stone Cold, the, the, the words Stone, Stone Cold said so. So it's like a double layer, I mean, of, of awesomeness. Um, and it's pretty comfortable, too. Uh, but, yeah, so is there, is, there, is there anything else that we've missed this week? Um, the, 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 the new era is upon us. The, uh, the, oh, I know what I was going to say is that there are a lot of things that can go wrong. The one thing that could go the wrongest is if SmackDown just becomes like Raw, right? I mean, yeah. the best way to do this is we've established that NXT, NXT has established that there's kind of another way of doing a WWE product with the same production mm-hmm. values, the same everything else, you know? The best thing they could do would be just to give, like, you can't just have it be the same. Obviously, it's going to be different rosters. Mm -hmm. The way to do it right is to have separate production teams, separate creative teams, like, have everything everything Mm -hmm. be really different. And I don't want to, like, unnecessarily fillet Triple H, you know, just as this, (laughs) like, but we do, and knock Vince, because, like, you know, they work together, and we don't know the intricacies of their relationship, but... If we're just speaking in the way that people talk about on the internet, they just need to give SmackDown to Triple H. You know, they just need to have two different people running these two different shows. Yeah. Um, and sure, everything is going to cross the same desk at the end of the day. You know, Kevin Dunn's mm-hmm. going to sign off on all the graphics and everything. But, but but it would be awesome if they felt different. You were talking about the the sibling rivalry. It really needs to be two different products. Yeah, just go out there, try to do the be- like what works for like your brand versus this brand, like play to the strings of whoever's on either roster, you know? And it's not always going to be the same thing, so it should be different. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, it's uh, it's going to be a whole new world. What is the date that we have set for, for the brand split? That is another 19th, I believe, July 19th. Wow. Oh, which is, no, July 19th is, oh, no, June 19th is, is Money in the Bank. Yeah. And then, we're, so we're splitting a month after Money in the Bank. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'll just take that to be true. If it's not true, then everybody can correct us on Twitter. And I've that's what, down that's in what my makes Twitter's notes, but I don't know where listen, I put it. People are going to correct us on Twitter whether or not we got everything wrong. So I'm just going to, so it's, mm-hmm. I just like to get a few things wrong in every episode to like have a, a, a point of conversation. Um, but yeah, July 19th is the answer. Mm-hmm. All right. That's cool. We can all look forward to that. Well, listen, Latoya, thank you so much for coming by. What's your uh, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Lafergs, L A F E R G S. It's Lafer. I always thought it was L A Fergs. <laughs> like I don't like I don't know why. Just I, I knew I, L A's. You live in Los Angeles, you know. Like it's a, a L A Fergs. Anyway, uh, so it's Lafergs uh, mm-hmm. for Twitter. And uh, where, where can people check out your stuff? You can find uh, my wrestling stuff over at uh, the AV Club. Uh, I write uh, also at Complex and a few other places. So. I'll let you know what I'm writing, you guys. Don't worry. Yeah. And I will be reviewing uh, the first episode of The Brand Split on SmackDown. And if that does well, I'll be the SmackDown reviewer, leaving Kyle in the dust. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. That's, so The Brand Split's actually... May, are you just excited about The Brand Split because it's going to pay off for you? <laughs> I was already, like, always wanting one, but now it's, go- it's, it's going to pay off for me, so... That's good. Yeah. That's good. What's it with this is so the brand split is at least for at, at least for Latoya. It's best for business. Yeah. Thanks to Latoya Ferguson. Thanks to the one and the only Bill Goldberg. Thanks to Tate and Podcast Joe. Uh, have a good week, humanoids. Mm-hmm.